Hi there, and welcome to another Osler podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. This podcast comes to you from the 2022 Lives Trauma Forum in Athens. Anatoly Harwa is an intensivist and researcher from the Department of Anesthesia and Surgical Intensive Care at Bicetra University Hospital in France. And he joins me today to talk about the issue of renal failure in severe trauma. Anatoly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to, to be here and to meet you. Anatoly, how common is renal failure after severe trauma? So it's kind of common because in general, it's 10% in the general severe trauma population. But if you uh, pick up those with hemorrhagic shock, it's up to 40%. So it's 40% of AKI. And if you focus on severe AKI, meaning stage two or three of uh, KDGO classification, it's around 25% following hemorrhagic shock. And 10% of these patients will uh, require renal replacement therapy. So it's quite a lot. And it's systematically associated with mortality in uh, any multivariable model. What are the pathological mechanisms that are, um, are causing the acute renal injury? So AKI following trauma is a mix of uh, several pathophysiological mechanisms. The first of them is a hypoperfusion related to hypovolemia and hemorrhage. And moreover, when uh, physicians start to uh, resuscitate patients with fluid and transfusion, it's kind of, you know, a phenomenon of reperfusion following ischemia. So this is the major um, uh, aggression for uh, the kidney following trauma. And the second one is... um, related to injuries. Because of severe injuries, there is a release of uh, molecules from the uh, intracellular compartment. These molecules are called DAMPS, Damage Associated Molecular Patterns, and they can trigger systemic inflammation. And they can trigger very severe systemic inflammation that can lead in itself to organ failure and acute renal failure. On top of this, when there is a crush uh, injury, uh, rhabdomyolysis contributes to uh, AKI as well. Anatoly, what's the difference in the pathological mechanisms between other causes of acute renal injury and that caused by, um, by severe trauma? So I would say that one of the major difference is that physicians admit patients quite a short time uh, follow, uh, following trauma. This is very different to septic shock, which is another cause of uh, AKI in ICU, where it um, follows, you know, several hours or several days of infection. You know, usually 60 minutes following trauma, the patient is admitted to ICU. So we are very early in the course of organ failure. And the second thing is that there is a specific pattern of inflammation related to trauma injury, we've just talked about it, the release of uh, specific uh, messengers of uh, inflammation from the intracellular compartment do contribute and participate to AKI, and they have their specificities as compared to septic shock, for example. Uh, Is it important to be able to predict which patients are going to get into trouble with acute kidney injury after severe trauma? And if so, how do we predict them? What are the risk factors that are involved? So physicians like to predict 
phenomenon like uh, AKI and they've built for the, to this aim uh, many multivariable models and we are quite good or at least moderately good moderately fair predictive models for uh, post-traumatic AKI um, but it's it's quite hard to use them you know in the real life because there are many variables if we had to use them how would we uh, use the, the results of a, a predictive multivariable model so it would help to target those patients who really need hemodynamic optimization to prevent AKI from happening. One could say, I mean, we can optimize hemodynamic in uh, uh, every trauma patient, but at least when you have to uh, um, start, you know, specific hemodynamic monitoring with catheters, at least you can target those patients. And uh, um, the second thing is that once you know that a patient is at very high risk for AKI, you can at least uh, try not to use nephrotoxic drugs. So basically, uh, contrast agents, empty, some antibiotics. So these are the two things we can do every day in ICU to prevent AKI as much as possible. I admit that it's not very specific, but at least we can target patients. In fact, we lack a specific treatment, a specific therapy to prevent AKI following trauma. We still to do research on that. Anatoly, um, we hear a lot about uh, biomarkers and their ability to identify patients with renal injury. Um, are these, are these um, biomarkers available in traumatic-related acute renal injury? And what do we know about them? What evidence is there for them? So um, there is not that much research on um, a biological biomarker to predict AKI following trauma. So a lot of uh, literature has been published uh, on uh, AKI following septic shock with uh, KIM-1, uh, NGAL, or uh, nephrocheck, and there are only a few studies in trauma. And so far, these biomarkers uh, do not predict uh, better, or their performance is not better than simple clinical models. So we need uh, a lot more research to, to know whether they can help to better target those patients at very high risk of AKI following trauma. When it comes to, to trauma-related renal injury, um, transfusion seems to be um, associated. Is it just a marker of how volume deplete or how uh, pre-renally affected the patient is, or is there something specific about transfusion that leads to renal injury? So uh, I would say that uh, uh, both do exist. Um, transfusion is a marker of uh, severe hemorrhage. Uh, the more packed fibroid cells you receive, um, you know, the more severe the hemorrhage and the more severe the hypoperfusion. But uh, if you have a careful look at uh, experimental studies, um, erythrocytes are more than oxygen transporters. They're oxygen sensors, meaning that, for example, when they flow in a vessel where the oxygen level is very low, erythrocytes do release nitric oxide 
that helps to vasodilate vessels where uh, oxygen levels is low, and it helps to adjust the blood flow to the cell oxygen demand. So erythrocytes are true oxygen sensors. And packed red blood cells tend to be less effective in being oxygen sensors. They cannot release nitric oxide at the same level as native erythrocytes. So in a way, they have vasoconstrictive effect, which is helpful during hemorrhagic shock, but not that helpful when having a look at cell oxygenation. So maybe one of the uh, track we have to look at is improving the ability of packed red blood cells to uh, be uh, oxygen sensors, at least at the same level as native erythrocytes. Anatoly, the, um, one of the other causes of renal dysfunction after trauma, as you mentioned earlier, is rhabdomyolysis. Is there any value in tracking uh, creatine kinase and myoglobin to manage the patient? Do they add anything in your management of these patients? Um, yes, of course. I, I like this topic because I uh, worked a bit on rhabdomyolysis. And uh, in our department, we especially like to measure myoglobin uh, instead of um, creatinine kinase, CK, for several reasons. Uh, myoglobin is uh, has a short half-life, so it means that uh, its level increases very early following rhabdomyolysis, and it decreases very early following um, the, um, the time when rhabdomyolysis ceases. For example, when myoglobin is going down uh, during several hours, CK will still Get on in, keep on increasing. So from a, a physician perspective, one may think that rhabdomyolysis is still effective when looking at CK, while in fact it has stopped when looking at myoglobin. So it's uh, it reflects uh, in real time the rhabdomyolysis phenomenon, and I think it helps to adjust resuscitation for these patients. And one more thing is that if myoglobin starts to increase again, it means that there is something wrong. And uh, one should pay attention to the risk of uh, a limb compartment syndrome. Natalie, one of the key um, therapeutic objectives in acute renal injury is maintenance of renal perfusion and therefore renal perfusion pressure. Um, but many are concerned about the use of pressors because of the potential for renal vasoconstriction. Is this a reasonable concern? So I think um, in a way it's true, and in a way it is uh, a bit you know, false to say that. So we have to comment on that. Uh, the, the, the kidney needs flow and pressure. So if we want to optimize renal perfusion, we have to optimize the volume status, the optimal volume status for renal blood flow and the optimal renal pressure because we need to generate um, transglomerular uh, pressure to uh, allow filtration. And once the volume status is optimized, there's a, a, a 
there are good reasons to use vasopressor to optimal optimize um, renal perfusion pressure because when a uh, kidney uh, is uh, uh, injured following trauma, you may need a higher mean arterial pressure level than usual. You have to go up to the lower limits of renal autoregulation and therefore vasopressor might be helpful to reach this uh, pressure level. So we do not have that many data on trauma patients, but we have many experimental data suggesting that renal perfusion is better once flow is optimized, uh, when we increase uh, renal pressure with vasopressor to target at least 65 to 70 of uh, mean arterial pressure. One of the other staples of trauma management, of course, is fluids. Um, that's been a subject of a lot of research over the last few years. In the um, trauma patient, is there a best fluid to resuscitate patients with in terms of their kidney support? So, um, you know, from a clinical perspective, there is no study that was dedicated to trauma patients, so it's kind of hard to, uh, to answer. But uh, if we consider that in general, trauma patients are uh, inflammatory ICU patients, there's a signal, um, not a high signal, but at least a small signal suggesting that balanced solutes are better to use in inflammatory patients. Um, the last uh, two big randomized trial uh, did not confirm the first uh, results from the study of Semler in uh, 2018. But I guess you want me to speak more specifically about trauma patients. And in trauma patients, um, at least for those who experience rhabdomyolysis, um, blood and urine pH is something very important because the, the lower the urine pH, the more acidotic, then the higher the risk of myoglobin aggregation and AKI. And what we know about um, fluids is that balanced fluids are better to preserve a neutral urine pH than uh, the commonly used isotonic, isotonic saline. So I would suggest, at least at the initial phase, when uh, rhabdomyolysis is the, 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 the stronger, the more severe, to use balanced solution. Finally, Alden Tolley, what do you see as the most important research uh, topics and questions to be answered over the foreseeable future? So there are so many. But um, we need to do more uh, experimental work on uh, several topics. Um, so far, we do not understand very well how um, AKI happens from a metabolic perspective, and especially um, uh, at the mitochondrial level in the tubular cells. We know that there is a uh, mitochondrial failure very early in the course of AKI. And uh, we do need to uh, identify the potential therapeutic targets uh, um, in the to, 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 in order to try to improve uh, tubular metabolism and prevent AKI. So this is one of the track we have to follow. And the two other tracks are uh, immunoinflammatory uh, mechanisms, 
So there must be some specific mechanisms related to injury. We do know that damps, these intracellular molecules that can trigger inflammation, uh, do trigger specific population of neutrophils and macrophages. So we need to identify this specific population to selectively inhibit them. And the third uh, track, I think, is the complement that can be very fast activated following a trauma. And uh, it contributes to AKI as well. But to what extent, we do not know. What we do know is that if this is very fast um, um, consumed, and uh, it, it must contribute to AKI. So this is the third, third phenomenon we have to work on to better understand the pathophysiological pathways leading to post-traumatic AKI, according to me. Anatoly, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on severe AKI on trauma. Thank you for this invitation, Tal. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. All of Osler's content and features are completely free. Get access to all our podcast interviews, as well as hundreds of modules, journal reviews, quizzes, and articles by downloading our free app. You'll also be able to access our logbook, and any Osler learning you do is automatically recorded in your CPD diary. Search for My Osler wherever you get your apps, or visit our website at oslercommunity.com.